does this three times every day. He's facing Jerusalem, and he prays, and he gives thanks. It's interesting, isn't it? Flip back over to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to come back to that thought in just a second, but in Daniel chapter 2, you see it again. Daniel 2 verse 23. This time, Daniel's life is at stake again. He is one of the wise men uh, in, in the court here of Nebuchadnezzar, <clears throat> the guy who has destroyed Jerusalem, the guy who has enslaved all the Jewish people, that guy, Nebuchadnezzar, he, is, uh, he has all these, this variety of wise men. But he's had a dream, and it's a disturbing dream, and he wants them, this company of wise men, to not only explain it to him, but to tell him what he dreamed. Usually, he would just tell them the dream, and they would interpret it, interpret it with big quotation marks around it because they don't have any power. They're just guessing. They're throwing out some, some assumptions here uh, and something that sounds good and see if it sticks to the wall. That's their general M.O. But this time, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is, is on to their antics. And so he says, you tell me the dream and you tell me the interpretation or I'm going to kill you all. Every single one of you wise men because you're all useless. I'm going to take you all out. So Daniel gets wind of this, and listen to what he says in verse 23. Daniel chapter 2, <coughs> verse 23. He says, To you, O God my, of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. God told him what was going on in the dream. He told him the dream and he told him the interpretation. Now Daniel can go and tell Nebuchadnezzar the dream. But it's interesting to me that he stops here and gives thanks. Something we overlook, isn't it? We're not often grateful. Not, not, like, not like we should. Often we identify more with the nine lepers who refused to come back, who didn't come back. Remember the story, Jesus meets ten lepers and they stand from a distance and they call out, Master, heal us! And so he, he does, but only, and now he says to them, all ten of them, go show yourself to the priest and you'll be healed. And only one of them returns and he is thankful. He is articulating, he's voicing his gratitude to Jesus and Jesus is surprised. Only one of you came back, where are the other nine? Often we identify with the nine, I suppose. Ones that are too busy or too thoughtless, maybe, to, to articulate, to quantify our gratitude. Maybe we fall more into that camp than we do the one. I'm afraid I certainly do. I think there are things that we are, or that we should be thankful for that we might not think about very much. Things that slip through the cracks that we need to focus on. I think that helps change our attitudes. Thankfulness is difficult. And I think we need to focus more on certain things. Flip over with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you really take the, the implications of this passage to heart, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to challenge you. And you're going to be... Um, probably a bit offended by it. First Thessalonians chapter 5, you're going to wonder, how, how do I do this? How do I go about doing this? How do I live like this? That is the right question, isn't it? 
whenever we come to a passage of Scripture and we ask, how do I live in light of this passage? We're asking the right question. We're on the right track. And if it offends us, we've just got some changing to do, don't we? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. He's really in the midst of an argument here where he's trying to tell you how to be God's people. How should you interact with the world around you? How should you feel? Attitude. What attitudes should you have? Well, verse 18, he says, Give thanks in all circumstances. During my divorce, should I give thanks? Yeah. Yep. What about during my diagnosis? Yep. What about during the death of a loved one? I should give thanks then. Go back and look at that word again. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not in some circumstances. We, we, generally, we generally interpret that. We, we change the words, don't we? We would never do that because we're the Lord's people. and We listen to what he says and we obey it and we obey every word of it. But sometimes in our minds we reinterpret it the way that we want to hear it. And so we interpret this passage Give thanks in some circumstances. Give thanks in circumstances that are beneficial to me. That's not what he says, is it? He says, give thanks in all circumstances. There are some lessons that I can learn that I can only learn through pain. There are lessons that I need to learn, that I'm better for having learned, that I can only learn through pain. And the greater the pain, the more the lesson sticks. If I stick with him. It's hard though, isn't it? Check out the rest of this verse though. Let's not leave out part of the verse. Give thanks in all circumstances for this because. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will for you to give thanks. You ever wonder what's God's will? Well, maybe I should take this job. Maybe I should take that job. I've got a couple of opportunities here. Maybe I should go this direction, or maybe I should go this direction. I just wonder what God's will is for me here. I don't know. Maybe maybe we should move here. Maybe we should move there. I wonder what God's will is for me here. We wonder that all the time, don't we? What's God's will for me? I want to be right in the middle of His will so that I know I'm right, so that I'm sticking with Him. I want to do what He wants me to do. I want to do God's will. What's God's will for you? Give thanks in all circumstances, even the bad ones, especially the bad ones. You give thanks because we can learn lessons that we wouldn't otherwise learn. It's hard, though, isn't it? We learn to lean on Him, and during these seasons, that you wouldn't learn just during easy seasons. You've been there, right? You've had, and some of you are in them right now, these valley of the shadow of death type of seasons. You learn to lean on the Lord during those seasons like you never could have when things were going good. That's cause for thanks. It's painful. That's calls for thanks. Check out a couple more verses. Right alongside uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. Check out Philippians uh, 2 again. 
passage Gary read for us this morning, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. (coughs) What might be the opposite of thankfulness? Well, I I guess the, the, the thing that's diametrically opposed to gratitude would be complaining, grumbling, murmuring, and that's, that's what he says here. He, out, he outlaws that that's not acceptable. Do all things. There's that word again. All. Do all things. Walk through my divorce. Walk through my death. Walk through my diagnosis. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I told you this is hard, right? I told you you were going to push back, right? And you're thinking, ah, oh, there's no way I could be thankful, grateful during these time periods. We are people who see the silver lining. We are people whose only motivation is to get closer to Him. And these things bring us closer to Him. And that is cause for gratefulness. That's cause for thanks. You know the, we'll get back to Philippians 2 in just a second, but you know the greatest portion of psalms of praise, when those psalms happened, when they were written, we know you know that Psalms is actually five books, right? Written across the time period from um, Moses in Psalm 90. Moses wrote Psalm 90. You didn't know Moses was a psalmist, maybe, but he is. Uh, he wrote Psalm 90. So he's, he started it. He's the first one that we know of that wrote one of the Psalms. Uh, although many of them are anonymous, we know Moses started, started that. And then David uh, wrote at least half of them. Um, but then all the way down to, to around Ezra's time is when they were compiled. So really over about a thousand year time period, the Psalms are being written and compiled. And sometime, somebody around Ezra's time came together and by inspiration, I think, put them in the right order. The order that God always wanted them to be in. Because Moses' Psalm, though written first, is not the first Psalm, is it? It's on toward the, the end of the book. And so these things are organized in such a way that we can learn a lesson from them. But we know that during the exile, during Daniel's day, when Israel is in Babylonian captivity and Assyrian captivity, that's when more psalms of praise and thanks were written than any other. In fact, there are 16 psalms written during that time period. 13 of them are psalms of praise. There are lessons to be learned, even especially in the valley of the shadow of death. In Philippians chapter 2, he says, you can't do life like this. You can't grumble and complain. You need to do all things with gratefulness, right? It's backwards the way we normally live. Often we see things that we disagree with or that hurt us. And what do we do about them? We complain about them. We push back against them. He would say, no, no. You give thanks for this opportunity to grow closer to Him, to lean on Him. So you do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. He says the deck's stacked against you. You live in a difficult time. Our generation is no different than Paul's generation, right? It's just as twisted, it's just as crooked now as it was 2,000 years ago, maybe even more so. He says, you have an opportunity here to push back against all the stuff that's stacked against you. You be thankful. You see how it changes everything, doesn't it? This is not 
a secondary discipline. This is not something that we should relegate to the background. This is something that needs to make its way to the forefront of our minds so that we can focus on it because thankfulness, gratitude changes everything. It changes your entire outlook, doesn't it? Let's know what else he says. If you want to be blameless, you want to be innocent, you want to be children of God without blemish, you be thankful. <clears throat> Among whom, this twisted and crooked generation, you're right in the middle of them and you shine like Stars in the sky. Like lights in the world. You're visible. Your life's different. You stand out. For a reason, right? The world's going to murmur. The world's going to complain. They're going to um, dispute. There's going to be fights among them. He says, not among us. We are people who are grateful. We know what the Lord sacrificed for us. We know the blessings He's given us. We're focused on heaven. We're not allowing any of this stuff to get in our way. This light, momentary affliction is gaining for us a weight of glory. And for that, we're grateful. No matter what I'm going through here, gratefulness should still be my response. Gratitude should still be my response because my goal is not to get out of this life alive. Right? That's not going to happen anyhow. My, my goal is not, going to, is not to get out of this life without pain because that's not going to happen anyhow. It doesn't matter how much you want it. It doesn't matter how much you try for it. You're going to encounter pain. So my life is not to avoid pain. My life is to get closer to Him. And if pain brings me closer to God, then I can be grateful for the pain because that's my goal. Often we have the wrong goal. Often we want to avoid pain. He says, that's not your goal. Your goal is to get close to me. And I'll take care of the rest. Steve alluded this morning to uh, Matthew, where he says, seek first the kingdom of God, and I'll add all this other stuff to you. You worry about first things first. So you read the rest of Philippians 2, verse 16. He says, holding fast to the word of life, you don't let go of it for anything. You hold on tight so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Thankfulness is something that we need to be more focused on. It's not a background, second-rate discipline. It is something that needs to command every bit of our attention. Check out Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. You're familiar with this verse, right? You know verse 19. <coughs> we point to this verse all the time. Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 20. He says, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for... There's that word again. It's not all this time, but it's similar. Everything. You give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ in every circumstance and in always. What about when I'm having a bad day? Yeah. What about when I'm having a bad season? You know. What about when the worst thing possible could have happened to me has happened? Give thanks. 
because my goal is not to get away from the pain in this life. My goal is to get closer to him. And if pain can bring me closer to him, then that's a good thing. That's something I can give praise for. That's something I should be thankful for. We flourish in times like this because his strength is made perfect in our weakness. That's Bible, right? That's what he told Paul. When Paul was in a situation just like this, when he was in the valley of death situation, when what he had been praying for, the answer was no. It's not coming. Deliverance is not coming. It's, you're, I'm not going to give that to you. Often we don't have that blessing, do we? We pray and either we understand the answer is maybe or, or yes or wait. Paul's answer was no, absolutely not. I'm not going to do this thing. I'm not going to remove this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was. I'm not taking that away from you. My grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Something Job understood, isn't it? Again, Steve alluded to Job this morning in his lesson. But in, in Job 1, verses 20 and 22, after he's lost everything, do you know what he does? Toward the end of, uh, at the end of the first chapter, after he's lost, lost everything, you know what he does? He starts thanking God. He starts praising God. This is something we need to focus on. We can and should give thanks in any and all circumstances. Thankfulness is the mark of a mature Christian. It's something that new converts and those that have not applied themselves to read this book and to know this God, they're never going to be able to grab a hold of. But for you, for the mature, this is something that we major in. In the middle of Paul's thoughts about going from a lost condition to a saved condition, he places thankfulness right in the middle of his thoughts. Mature Christians wear these kinds of clothes. Humility, compassion, kindness. You need to wear love like, like, you would wear, like you'd wear a shirt. But constantly, uh, that's, love is constantly something we're wearing. And oh yeah, you need to be thankful. If you're not cultivating thankfulness, you're not moving on to maturity. So how can we fix it? Well, we sing a song called Count Your Many Blessings. He says, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. That's where some of us are, right? That's, that's when thankfulness is hard, when you're in this season, thinking all is lost, What's the answer? Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done because we haven't focused on what He's doing. We're focused on what we're going through. If we focus on what He's doing, thankfulness and gratitude is a whole lot easier. I think that's the answer. We just need to watch. We need to pay attention. That's often the answer, isn't it? We need to focus Keep, a, keep a, a gratitude journal. Focus on these things. Write them down in your phone. Find spots to remember things that he's done for you that you're grateful for. And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. 
today, if you've not been counting your blessings, if you're struggling and you need the prayers of this congregation, we would love to aid you in any way we can. Won't you come as we stand and sing? afternoon church family a couple announcements before we are dismissed as a reminder we're singing at Wingate at two o'clock um, also uh, September 6th uh, Wednesday stepping stone supper barbecues on the menu um, also we're still needing teachers for next quarter starting September um, that's next Sunday um, we need teachers for preschool age and Bible hour um, also uh, don't forget the youth event that's happening at uh, <clears throat> South Point Church of Christ, youth-led service. The bus will be meeting at 515. Services start at 6 o'clock. Uh, Gary Leap's Life Group will be meeting September the 17th after services on Sunday morning um, to have lunch. Uh, more details are to follow. Uh, don't forget this week, uh, remember Jimmy Wilgus, Sean Maynard, Jim Haney, Amber Spitzer, and Tony Shamblin. Tanya Shamblin, your prayers as they continue with their cancer treatments. Uh, keep Judy Jordan and John Klein in your prayers as they are having surgeries on Wednesday. Also, remember to continue to keep uh, Jerry's sister in your prayers, Carolyn O'Lynn, and also Jim Martin in your prayers this week as well. That's all the announcements I have. If you had not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared. 
In the conference room, you may leave and do that now. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Our last song this afternoon is number 851, Blue Skies and Rainbows, 851. Blue skies and rainbows. 